I tell you often that I hear the voice of God, and I do. I hear God's voice, and I know what his voice sounds like. John 10 and 27 says, my sheep know my voice, and they will follow me. How are we going to follow our shepherd if we don't know what he sounds like? Amen. And so I hear the voice of God. I hear the voice of God in his word. I hear the voice of God in my heart and call me crazy. But one time I heard the voice of God with my ears. I'm just saying he really needed me to get it that day. And I'll be sure you that I'll follow him that day. <laughs> but I hear the voice of God. You know, we do Bible study with our kids around the kitchen table at dinner every night. Right after we get dinner, we pull the devotional book out and we just open up the Word of God and, and we see what God's got for us, man. We're learning the Word of God around our table with our 18 or 23 or 75 kids or however many kids that we got now. We're teaching them about Jesus. It's good, real good. And, and we're blessed to be able to do that. And, and this past Tuesday night, we learned that verse, John 10, 27. You know, my, my sheep know my voice and they'll follow me. And we were talking about hearing the voice of God. And, and I was so blessed to sit around that table and hear little Jaden say, I, I know in my heart sometimes that I need to do good things and not bad things, and I know that that's God. I mean, that's a blessing, guys. And to hear Nolly say, sometimes I, I get it on my heart that I need to reach out to somebody and love them, whether I like them or not. And, and she to hear her say, and I know that that's God. I mean, that's a blessing to me, guys. To hear my oldest son, Logan, say that God talks to me in dreams and visions and to know that the Bible says in the last day that God is going to do just that. And the fact that he knows that these dreams and visions that he has comes from God. Man, to hear him say that, it just warms my heart, man, blows my mind and sends my spirit soaring. And to hear my wife teach the kids and say, and, and teach them about how in Jesus' day that all the shepherds would bring their flock out to the same pasture and all the different flocks would intermingle down at the, you know, where they got their water and where they ate their grass. But when that shepherd would come out there and he would call for his flock, only his sheep would come for him. They would separate themselves from all the sheep that covered up the entire hillside and come just to him because they knew his voice that well. And for her to proclaim that we are going to listen so closely that we know our shepherd's voice that well. Man, to hear him, her teach that to them just, man, warmed my heart, man. Just made me know that all this is worth it to hear his voice. To hear his voice. Man, I hear the voice of God. I know that it's him because I know the kind of things that he says. Man, God tells me who he is. Tells me who I am in him. Tells me that he loves me. Tells me that I have a purpose in his kingdom. Those are the kind of things that God says. So if you've heard those kind of things, if you've heard something proclaiming in your heart that you're worth it, that you're valuable, that your life has meaning, that, what, what, that, that, that you can be everything that God wants you to be, that, that he loves you, that he wants to spend eternity with you, then you've heard from God. But there's another voice that speaks to us too, isn't there? Another voice that cries out to us from the darkness over and over and over. And I've heard that voice my whole life. But on this very date, six years ago, on April the 4th of 2015, I heard that voice and was able to put a name with it for the very first time in my life. Now, it had been speaking to me over and over again my whole life. As a matter of fact, it had enslaved me. But on that day, I was able to put a name with it and, and realize who it was that had been speaking to me and calling to me over that whole time. On April the 4th of 2015, I heard the voice of the enemy. On April the 4th of 2015, I heard Satan speak into my life. He spoke into my mind. He spoke into my emotions. He spoke into my spirit. 
and I heard him. And, and you're probably wondering, well, what does the devil say? Well, the devil says all kinds of things. The devil's the one that tells you you're worthless. The devil's the one that tells you that you have no purpose. The devil's the one that tells you that you'll never, never get any better. Uh, the, the, the devil's the one that tells you that, that, that Jesus is, it didn't die for you, that God doesn't love you, doesn't want you, man. That, those are all the things that the enemy says. And, and if you've been having those kind of words spoken over you, then you've been hearing from him and you need to tell him to shut his mouth and get on his way. But this is what he said to me on that night. He said three simple words. He said, put it down. Put it down. That's what the devil said to me. He said, put it down. See, on that night, I was preparing to preach my first ever Easter sermon the next day. The first time that I would, you know, I'd preached in church before, but it was the first time that I would ever preach on an Easter Sunday. It was the first time I preached at this church, Way Church. And I, I don't know if y'all know this, but, but you can probably imagine, like, Easter sermons are, are heavy for preachers. They're heavy because you feel like that it has to be the best sermon that you've ever preached in your life. You, you feel like that you're going to get just this one chance the whole year to reach some people and that you need to take full advantage of it. And so it's heavy and it's hard and it's scary. And, 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 and all this pressure, the, the title of my sermon that day was epic. And so was the task that was before me. And I wanted to quit and I wanted to run and I wanted to hide. The devil whispered in my ear, put it down. Because that day, all this became really real to me. See, before that, the Way Church had been kind of like a cool adult youth group. Does that make sense? It kind of still is like that sometimes, isn't it? But, but that day, it became really real. See, before that, we had been like this rebellion, like this underground movement made up of these ragtag disciples that had been cast off from mainstream religiosity, and we like owned that, right? And that's, that's like who we were. We were this like rebellion. But, and, and that part of a rebellion's cool, right? Like when you're the underground, like edgy movement, like that part of rebellion is very cool. The scary thing about rebellion is when you win. Because when your rebellion wins, then all of a sudden, like you have to be all the things that you promised that you were going to be. Like you have to be just as different as you claimed that you were going to be. Because if you win and then you fall back into the same garbage, then you're no better than the people that you overthrew. And so when you lead a rebellion, the scariest part about it, the hardest thing about a rebellion is when you win. And so here we are all of a sudden, like we're not this underground movement anymore. Like we're not the like outliers anymore. Like we're having Sunday Easter service on Sunday morning. Like we are the church all of a sudden. Like we are the church and we have to be different. And it was scary and I wanted to quit because it was real. Too real, too real for me. And the devil said, put it down. I started coming up with ways that I could, right? So my, because really all the devil has to do is whisper something to you and then you take it from there, right? The devil whispers something in your ear and you're like, I can do that. The devil says to those that have struggled with addiction, go use. That's all he says is two words, go use. And then you figure it out from there. The, word, the, the devil says to ones that, that struggle with relationships, hey, go call that person, go text that person. And that's all, that's all it takes. And we take it from there, don't we? The, the devil says to those that struggle with money issues, hey, you need some cash. And, 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 and you take it from there. You take it from there. And so the devil said, put it down. And I tried to. I was like, okay. First, I, I, I did self-sabotage because that's, that's my life. That's what I do is self-sabotage. And so that was my first instinct. It's like, okay, there's a list of things that I can do one of these things and I'll not be qualified to be the pastor anymore, right? And not only will I not have to do this, it'll be someone else's fault, right? If I do one of these things, I just can't be the pastor anymore. And I'll be like, oh, guys, I can't. I, I sinned. I did this. And then they'll tell me that I can't preach. And I'll be like, meh, 
okay, so I'm going to go home and guess whose fault it is? Yours, because you're judging me. <laughs> I'm just being honest with y'all, man. I'm just being honest. Stop judging me. <laughs> no, I'm, being, I'm just being honest with you. I just, I, that's, that was my first thought. My second thought was this. I'll just man up, right? I'll just man up and I'll be like, hey, I'm sorry. I can't do this. I apologize. I'm going home now. And I just quit like that, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, that's the, that's the manly thing to do, right? Is, I mean, that's really, that's the mature thing to do. It's just to say, yep, I picked up this cross, but I can't carry it, so I'm just going to put it down and see you. And either way, I get to quit, right? I don't have to do this anymore. And so I was like, okay. And so I made my biggest mistake or maybe my biggest correct answer. I walked in the living room. And I looked my wife in the eyes. I said, I can't do this. And she said, you know the look she gives me. Y'all have seen her, the look she gives me, right? She said, do what? I said, this. This whole church and preaching and Easter Sunday thing, I can't do it. And I want you to know that she looked me dead in the eyes, as serious as a heart attack, and she said, you're not the one doing it anyway. <laughs> Did she just Jesus juke me? Like here I am having this like immersion, emotional turmoil and I'm about to lay the calling that God has put on my life down and I come in here to talk to you and she, she Jesus juked me? Okay, respect, respect. And then she added, oh yeah, but also you have to. And you know what? She was right. I have to. She's right about both things. Number one, I'm not doing it. If I'm doing it, it's going to be all messed up. And I'm ugh. The best I could do got me in a lot of bad places. But the best that he could do, the best that he could do saved my soul and changed my life and set me free. Can you say Amen. So number one, I'm not doing it. But number two, I have to do it. I have to do it. I had to do it. That day, I have to do it today. I have to. Not because I want to, but because I have to. And it's not for her, and it's not for me, and it's not even for y'all. It's for him. It's for him. It's always been for him. Yeah, it's for him. It's for him. I, I, I carry the cross of Christ for Christ. You know why? I carry it because he carried it. I carry it because I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. I carry it because I'm going to live like he lived. I carry it because I want to go where he's going. I carry it because if I get the blessed opportunity, I'll die just like he died. Can you say amen? Because God has a purpose for my life. And not just for my life, but for your life too. If you're breathing today. If your heart is beating today, then there's one for you too. A cross and a purpose. And I don't care what the devil says. Never put it down. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word today? We're in the book of Matthew in chapter 16. Matthew 16. And I am going to be preaching today. Starting, um, my, my actual sermon is going to start in verse 21 and uh, go through verse 26, but I want to give you guys some context, and so I want to start back in verse 13 as we read together today. 
And the Bible says this, Matthew 16, starting in verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, let me tell you a little bit about Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was a pagan region of what we call the Holy Land now, and it was covered up in pagan worship temples. Right, there were temples to all these weird pagan gods. When me and Angela went there, we went to uh, went to the actual place where Jesus made this statement, um, and it is the background of it is a temple to the Greek god Pan, like the god of nature and of the earth. You might remember what he looks like. He's the little guy with the goat legs that plays the flute. You know what I'm talking about? So it was a temple to the Greek god Pan, and they actually had a, a place in this temple where they sacrificed babies to this evil god. Sounds a lot like our world today, doesn't it? So I want you to know that Jesus was speaking in front of a backdrop that was much like the world that we live in today, a place that was filled with darkness and with evil. And he said these things. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. At least that's better than what they say about him now, amen? Still not enough though. You you understand that's still not enough? But you, and this is the most important question that he could have asked them, and you know what? It's the most important question you'll ever ask and you'll ever answer in your life too. But you, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah yet. This is where our sermon will come from today, starting in verse 21. The Bible says this, from then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. Uh, I, like, I kind of like the other translations better. The older translations say that he, he told them that he must, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, that he would be killed and be raised on the third day. Aren't you glad it's the third day? Aren't you glad every day now is the third day? I know I am. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh no, Lord, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turned and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever wants to lose his life or whoever loses his life because of me will find it. Let's stop there. Lord Jesus, we come to you today praising your holy name, surrendering to you everything that we are, everything that we could ever be. God, I pray today that you'll give us the strength to lay down what we're carrying, pick up your cross, and carry it forever. God, we love you, and we praise you, and we worship you, and we thank you, God, and we invite your presence into this place. And on this most holiest of days, God, we worship you. God, on this holiest of days, we thank you. God, we remember you, we expect you, we will serve you, God. God, I pray that we can carry our cross in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give God a shout of praise at the Way Church this morning? And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Jesus said, I must, I must go to Jerusalem. I must suffer at the hands of the Pharisees and the scribes. I must die And on the third day, I must rise again. You see, Jesus is teaching his disciples about purpose. 
He's teaching them about purpose. He's teaching them what it feels like to have a God-given purpose in your life. He must. He doesn't want to. He must. He doesn't feel good to do these things, but he must. Because the purposes of God are so much more than the purposes of man. Because the thing that God wants to do in us and do through us and do around us is so much more than we could ever imagine. Is it always going to feel good? Nope. Is it always going to be fun? Nope. Is it going to be easy? Probably not. But is the outcome worth it? Every single time. I know a little bit about must. One time me and uh, Brent were down there doing ministry at Mission 615, ministering to homeless people and inner city kids. And I met a very intelligent atheist homeless guy. Very intelligent. And he came up and he questioned me about everything from the beginning of time to evolution to the existence of God to fine-tuning to every possible way that he could come against me and try to break, try to use his little Stephen Hawking sayings to try to break down the existence of God. He tried. As many of you know, I've got a degree in apologetics, and I will argue God with you all day long. There's nothing that I would rather do. I love to argue God. It's just awesome. I will prove the existence of God 17 different ways, and I love every minute of it. So I'm talking to this guy, and I'm having a ball. And, and, and it's really good conversation. Like I said, this guy was incredibly intelligent. And, and finally, he gets frustrated with me, and he just says, why would you even want to be a pastor anyway? Why? I mean, why would you want to be a preacher? And I looked him dead in the face, and I said, I don't. And he said, what do you mean you don't? I don't. I'd rather be home watching college football on Saturday afternoon. I don't. But I must. I must. I don't have any choice. This is what God has called me to do, and this is what I'm going to do. And when I do, everything in my life is right. And when I don't, everything in my life is not right. It's not right. And, And the same goes for all of us, man. When we're living out the calling that God has put on our life, everything's right. Everything's right. And it doesn't always feel good, but it's right. And it's not always fun, but it's right. And, 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 and a lot of times it's going to hurt, but it's still okay because it's right. And people around us are going to tell us, to do, are going to do anything to try to get us to put it down, right? They're going to try to do anything that they can to get us to put it down. And oftentimes we will, but when we do, we know that it's not right. It's not right anymore. And you get an example of it right here, man. Peter puts his cross down and picks up something else. Peter was all the time putting his cross down and picking up something else, wasn't he? Peter put his cross down and pick up a sword. Peter put his cross down to pick up a fishing net. Most time, Peter, Peter put his cross down to pick up his mouth. You ever put a cross down to put, pick up your mouth? Jesus would put his cross, I mean, uh, excuse me, Peter would put his cross down and pick up his feelings. You ever put your cross down and pick up your feelings? Yeah, I do it all the time. That's probably what I do more than anything else. If I'm going to put my cross down, it's probably because I'm going to pick my emotions up. It's probably because I'm going to pick up my feelings. And that's what Peter did. Peter put down his cross, picked up his feelings. He loved Jesus. He wanted the best for Jesus. And so he rebukes Jesus. Does that make any sense at all? And yet we do it all the time. And he tells Jesus, he says, no, Jesus, this is never going to happen to you. I won't let it. And he did this out of the best of human compassion and love. But do you know what human compassion and love is without God in it? Twisted up, messed up, bad stuff. It's pretty much like filthy rags, just like our righteousness, amen? Because we get it all messed up. He, he was saying these things out of love for Jesus, and yet he was being a hindrance to Jesus because he was denying the plans that God had. And so Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're being a hindrance. 
You're focusing on the, you're focusing on the things of man, not the things of God. You put your cross down, bro. You put your cross down. He told, G, he told Peter, he said, get behind me. You know why? Because he's supposed to be following Jesus and not leading Jesus. And if he's going to follow Jesus, he needs to be carrying the same thing that Jesus is carrying. Because if you're going to the same place somebody is going and you're going to do the same things that they're going to do, you need to be carrying the same things that they're carrying. Because when you get there, you're going to have to do the same kind of thing. You know, when I call my football team out after halftime to go back onto the field, I don't see one guy in helmet and shoulder pads and two guys in helmet and shoulder pads and three guys in helmet and shoulder pads and the next guy with a baseball mitt. It doesn't make any sense. When the, when the baseball team comes out of the dugout, you don't see somebody coming out in shoulder pads and a helmet. It doesn't make any sense because if you're going after somebody, if you're following them to a certain place to do a certain thing, you need to be equipped the same way that they're equipped. So if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you've got to carry your cross. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you've got to carry your cross. It's just the way it is. And, and, and the enemy will try to get to do, will try anything to get you to lay down your cross. You know what the easiest thing for us to pick up is? Us. I don't even know how we do it because I can't carry myself. I, I don't know how that works. But that's the thing that we carry the most. We carry ourselves. We carry ourselves. You know, we, we put ourselves in a place where only God should be. See, there's a throne in our life where only Jesus Christ could sit. But you know who sits on the throne of our life more than anybody else? I do. Looking around. Not seeing what I can do for God, but seeing what the world can do for me. I'm just being honest with you. That's how I spend most of my life. Looking around and seeing what I can get out of the world. And if you're honest with yourself, it's probably who sits on the throne of your life more than anybody else is you too. And, and, and I don't know why we do that. Because, you know, uh, hopefully to you guys, I'm an okay preacher. And, and hopefully my wife would say that I'm a decent husband. And I know my kids say I'm an awesome dad. But I'm a terrible God. So are you. Why would you want a God that's made in your image? God wants us to make us into, wants to make us into his image and not for us to make him into ours. Why would you want a God that's willing to put down his purpose and pick up his feelings? Well, why would you want a God that's willing to do everything in the, in the world not to help somebody else, but just to, to build yourself up, man? Like why? Why in the world would you want God to be anything like you? And so if that's the truth, then why in the world would you take his spot in your life? Why? And the Bible says to deny yourself. To deny yourself, and at first we think that's some kind of a curse. Deny yourself. So I'm going to be losing something. So I'm going to be lacking something. So I'm going to have to put something down, and I'm not going to be able to enjoy life. But that's not what it is at all. And if you're thinking that right now, man, you're stuck somewhere you don't need to be, and you can be free of that nonsense. No, the call to deny ourselves is a call to take what's lesser and put it away so we can focus on something that's so much greater. Because the things of the world and the promises of the world are all lies. It's all smoke and mirrors. The world will never provide for you what you think it's going to provide for you. It might look good on the outside, but once you get into it, you'll realize that the world wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And so the call to deny self is the call to focus on Christ. The call to deny self is to stop trying to get what we need out of life from ourselves or the things around us and instead to focus on the things of God and to realize that all we ever needed was God. All we need right now is God and all we will ever need is God. Can you say Amen. Yeah, give him praise for that because he deserves it for being the provider of all things. Of all things. Deny yourself. 
Put yourself to the side and focus on God because all good and perfect gifts come from the Father of light. That's in the book of James. It's good. And the devil will try to get you to do anything to not realize that. To not realize that. And the second part of that scripture is so incredible. It says, take up your cross. Take up your cross. And too many of us feel like that that's a call to a burden. The the command to take up your cross is not asking you to surrender to suffering. The call to take up your cross is asking you to surrender to purpose in your life. See, the cross was never a symbol of burden. The cross was a symbol of purpose. The cross was a symbol of purpose. Jesus didn't carry a burden. Jesus carried a purpose. And he's not asking you to carry a burden. Jesus is asking you to carry a purpose with you. You know, people get it all mixed up and they're like, well, that's just my cross to bear. You know, your jerk of a boss is not your cross. Your mother-in-law is not your cross. Mine's a blessing. Praise God. She feeds me and everything. But maybe yours is awful and she's not your cross though. Your wild child out there running around and doing all that stuff that they shouldn't be doing, not your cross. The sickness that you've been, that you've got going on in your life, still not your cross. Not your cross. The cross is never meant to be a, a symbol of burden. It's a symbol of purpose. Jesus Christ had a purpose. And his purpose was to seek and save that which was lost. His purpose was to leave the 99 and go after the one. His purpose was to find that lost coin that was misplaced and valuable. That's you, by the way. His purpose was to welcome that lost son when he turned around and came back and to take a robe and put it around that stinky kid and to put a ring on his finger and give him identity and to put sandals on his feet and give him purpose. That was the purpose that Jesus Christ came with to earth. And he carried that cross the whole time. He carried that cross the whole time and he never put it down. He was carrying his cross... And the devil said, all you have to do is bow down and worship me and I'll give you the whole world. Jesus just carried his cross. And the Jews said, hey, we'll make you king. We see all these miracles you're doing and we just want to take you and make you a king. And Jesus just carried his cross. And his accusers, man, his accusers had him up there on the cross and, and they said to him, if, you're, if you really are the son of God, then why don't you save yourself? And Jesus just carried his cross. And see, some people think that the cross was carrying him as he hung there on the cross, nailed to it. But I want to tell you this, the cross wasn't carrying Jesus. Even when Jesus was, was nailed to the cross, he was still carrying the cross. You know why? Because he, as he hung there living and then dying, he was carrying with him the purpose of God in his life the entire time. From the moment he went up there to the moment they took him down, to the moment they took him and put him in a borrowed grave, he was carrying with him the purpose of Christ. And then I guarantee you, on that third day, when the stone was rolled away, that he carried the purpose of God right back out of the grave. Can you say amen? Right back out of the grave. He carried with him the purpose of Christ. And the devil will try anything to get you to put it down just like it tried anything to get him to put it down. So let's get personal today. Can we get personal at the Way Church on Easter Sunday? I mean, I know most of you guys pretty well. Let's get personal. Where's your cross? Where? 
Where's your cross? It's one of three places. You're either carrying it with you now, you've put it down somewhere, or you've never picked it up at all. But luckily, Jesus has an answer for all three of those opportunities. So, I man, if you're carrying your cross right now, praise God. But if you're carrying your cross right now, and by cross, I mean the purpose that God has for you in your life. If you're carrying it with you right now, praise God for you. And let me give you some advice. Don't ever put it down. I mean, don't ever put it down. The devil's going to say, put it down. And I want you to say, not today, Satan. You know what? Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not ever, not ever, not ever, not ever. Not until he splits that eastern sky and comes back and I can lay it at his feet. Then I'll put it down. Then I'll put it down. Until then, don't put it down. If you're in here and you're breathing and your heart's beating, then you have a cross and you have a purpose. And do not put it down. No matter what the enemy says, no matter what the world says, no matter what you say, do not put it down. And he's going to try. He's going to try. He's going to do everything he can to get you to put that cross down. He's going to distract you with stuff. He's going to threaten you with stuff. He's going to put you up against temptations. He's going to put you up against obstacles. Do not do not put that cross down. Do not ever, ever, ever put it down. You carry it with you wherever you go. Maybe when I asked where your cross is at, you looked and it's not there. Maybe you picked it up at one point in your life and you carried it with you, but now you're not sure where it is. Let me tell you where it is. If you had the cross with you, if you had purpose in your life given by God and you don't have it now, then your cross is wherever you picked up what it is you're obsessed with now. Whatever you spend all your time doing now, whatever you spend all your money on now, whatever you spend all your focus on now, wherever you pick that up, that's where you left your cross. So if money consumes you, either it's buried under a pile of cash or it's buried under a lack of cash because both those things will consume you. If you're struggling with your addiction right now, then you left your cross at the bottom of a bottle or tucked into a pipe or under a pile of dope. That's where your cross is at. Or maybe on an internet site or in somebody's bedroom. I don't know. You left your cross somewhere. If it's wherever that you picked up whatever it is that you're carrying. So I want you to look at your life right now and I want you to think back to where it was that you picked up the world and started carrying it around with you instead of the cross of Christ. Because wherever you went and picked up the things of the world, that's where you put your cross down at. Wherever you picked up the things of the world is where you left your cross. And if you think, it's probably not even very hard. I was going to say think hard, but probably for most of us, you don't even have to think very hard. Probably you can go back real quick and be like, yep, that's where I left it. And you know what? It's still there. It's still there. You know why? Because nobody can carry your cross but you. If you laid it down, it's because you chose to lay it down. But nobody else can pick it up for you because that purpose of God was designed just for you and no one else can do it. Will God still do what? Will, will God still get done what he wants to get done? Of course he will. Of course he will. He just won't use you to do it. He just won't use you to do it. The opportunity that you have to be part of the kingdom of God is laying somewhere. It's laying wherever it was that you picked up the world. And you know what? When you carry the world, you're doing it by your own strength because God doesn't help us carry the world. So you're, you're like the mythical atlas and you're bearing the weight of the world on your shoulders. And I want to tell you this, that eventually the weight of the world will crush you. You can only carry the weight of the world for so long or it will crush you under its weight. 
it'll crush you under its weight. So look, if you look down when I said, where's your cross? And you look down at your hands or you looked on your shoulders and you don't see the cross of Christ anywhere, but you know that you had it. What you have in your war in your hands is the world. And what this really represents is sin, right? Because anything besides living out the purpose that God has for our life is sin. Like we think about sin as being a list of rules we can't break. And yeah, there's some of those. But you know what? Book of James, once again, I'm just going to teach through the book of James soon, man. Y'all with me on that? That sounds good, doesn't it? We'll just convict everybody in here, including myself. It's not just sin to, to not do the things we're not supposed to do. Book of James says that if you don't do what you know you're supposed to do, you're in sin. And that's what of us find ourselves that we're carrying around. So what do we do with that? Here's what you do. You need to go back, not physically. Don't do that. Go back in the spirit to wherever it was that you laid it down. And you need to put this world down. And you need to pick back up the cross of Christ and, and, and continue to deny yourself and to carry your cross. You know what? I don't think that's good enough. I don't think laying the world down is good enough. I think we need to do more than that. You know what? I think we need to take the world. I think we need to take the world to the cross of Jesus Christ. And I think we need to cry our sins right on the cross and just hang our sins on the cross with Christ. You know why? Because then when we carry our cross, we're not just carrying the cross, but we're carrying the redemption story of how we were freed from the things of the world around with us too. You know why? Yeah, man, give God praise because look, I don't carry my sins with me anymore. I've been set free from all that stuff. But you know what I do carry? I carry his eulogy. I carry that was spoken over the, over the funeral of the sins that I used to carry. And I carry the redemption story of Jesus Christ and what he did for me and what he's doing through me, around with me, everywhere I go. And it's become part of my purpose. Part of my purpose is to carry around the testimony of what he did in my life. And so take the world back to the cross crucify the things of the world in your life on that cross and then pick your cross up and carry it with you wherever you go wherever you go and the devil said put it down put it down the devil said it's too heavy for you the devil said, you know what, Paul, you were never supposed to pick that thing up anyway. People like you don't get to go to the cross of Christ. Calvary's not for you. Forgiveness is not for you. Healing is for you. Life is not for you. That's what the devil says to me. I don't know about you. Put the cross down. You were never supposed to pick it up anyway. You were never supposed to pick it up for you. And you know what? He's right. He's right. The best lies have a little bit of truth sprinkled in them to make you wonder. Those are the best lies. Any other liars in here besides me? I'm just saying. Yeah, we know. Those of us that used to live that life, we know. The best lies got a little bit of truth in there to make people wonder. Yeah, yeah, make people wonder. And so the devil said, that cross is too heavy for you. And you know what? He's right. It is too heavy for me. But you know what the best thing about Christianity is? When you realize that if you really truly carry the cross of Christ, that you're not carrying the cross of Christ. That not only is he carrying the cross, but he's carrying you too. 
That's the best thing. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. And so if I'm really truly carrying the cross, I'm not carrying the cross at all because he's carrying the cross up Calvary's hill and he's carrying me with him. Can you say amen? So let me ask you again, where's your cross? Here's the answer. Here's the real answer. Your cross, my cross, is at the top of Calvary's hill. My cross was the one that Jesus was crucified on 2,000 years ago. My cross is the one that, died, that he died on. You know why? Because when he died, I died with him. And when he rose, I rose with him. Because the life that I live now is not my life at all, but it's him who lives in me. It's him that lives in me. I died with him and I rose with him. So where's my cross? It's the one that he died on. Where's my cross? It's the one that Jesus Christ carries. It's the one that he was crucified on. It's the one they took him off of. That's my Christ and that's my cross and that's your cross too. Go back to it. Go back to it. Or maybe you never picked it up at all. Maybe the devil lied to you it's like he lied to me. Maybe he told you that the cross of Jesus Christ wasn't for you. Maybe he told you that it was too heavy for you. Maybe he told you that you were too broken. That you were too broken. That you could never be fixed by the greatest carpenter ever to live. Maybe he told you that the blood of Christ wasn't worthy enough to cover your sins. Maybe he told you the things that you had done were too many, too great, too far. Or maybe he told you the things that have been done to you just left you too broken to be fixed. That the way that you've been treated throughout your life left you incapable of being saved, incapable of being healed, incapable of being delivered, incapable of being brought close to God. Maybe that's what the devil told you. That the cross of Christ was not for you. And that, my friends, is the greatest lie that has ever been told. The greatest lie that has ever been told. Here's the truth. When Jesus Christ said it is finished, he finished it for you. See, that word to telestai comes from the Greek and it's really an accounting phrase. What it really means is paid in full. It means we're even. It means you don't owe anything. So when Jesus Christ said it is finished, what he was saying is that I paid Jennifer's tab. I paid for John's eternity. I brought, I bought Brent out of slavery. I paid for little Billy's redemption. I took care of what AJ owed because of his sins. And I welcomed him into glory. 
He's saying, I know that whatever your name is has done a lot in their life. Whether it was one sin or 10 million, it's too many. But by my, by my blood, I'm paying for them all. You see, the cross of Christ is for you. It's for you. It's for you to carry with you wherever you go. But I need you to understand this, that you don't have to carry it alone. You see, in Jesus, you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You have a Savior that will never leave you, never abandon you, never forsake you. You have a fire that will go before you and a cloud that will hover behind you. In Jesus, you have a spirit that will live within you and by him you can do everything in your life that you need to do. By his blood, you can be forgiven. By his power, you can be healed. And by his spirit, you can be made brand new. And I don't care what you've done. And I don't care what's been done to you. I don't care where you came from. All that matters is where you're going. And I don't care what your family was like. And I don't care what it's like now. And neither does he. There's room at the cross for you. And there's purpose in this life for you. So if you're carrying the cross of Christ, if you're carrying the purpose of God in your life right now, do not put it down. You hear me? Do not put it down. I don't care what the enemy says. Do not. I don't care how scary it gets. I don't care how much trouble it causes in your life. Don't put it down. But if you did, there's grace for that. If you did, if you put it down and picked up something else, man, take it back. Crucify the world on the cross of Jesus Christ and pick your cross back up. It belongs to you. And he paid for that in your life at a steep cost. You know how much something is worth? It's worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. You know what you're worth? everything to God because he was willing to give the life of his son go back whatever you put it down money, drugs, sex, the world your couch ugh see some of y'all picked up some grievous sin that looked ugly to the world some of y'all just picked up a remote Yeah, I see people convicted all over the sanctuary. I am too. I'm just telling you. Yeah, I did this first service. I'll do this again. A lot of you picked up this stupid thing. Crucify. Let it go. Pick up the cross. Deny yourself. Lay down what's lesser. 